I feel better. Um, so I, uh, I don't know if you guys know, it's 2020 now. Um, and uh, in 2020, uh, everyone who is an eye care specialist is super excited about it. Uh, every church I have seen is like, vision 2020, right? We have 2020 vision. And, and if you know me, I just look at that and I'm like, <laughs> So I'm calling today because today is, is Vision Sunday. Like, what are, what's 2020 going to be about for us? I'm calling today. I didn't even put words on it. Today is Vision for the year after 2019. <laughs> That's just my little rebellious... I'm not going to do what everybody else does. Um, I, I want to sort of tell you guys a story, and some of you will recognize the story. Uh, there was a man named John uh, in the 1700s who uh, was an Anglican priest, and uh, he, he eventually began, like uh, most, most Anglican priests, you know, we do the sacraments, we do the rites inside the church building. And, and so he came to America from, from the UK, and he, he began to try to, to minister in the United States. And he was a dismal failure. And he went back to the UK and, and, and he eventually began to preach outside. And he said that's the nearest thing to sin he could imagine. He began to preach outside, standing on his father's tombstone. And, and, and the masses came to know Jesus. So many ordinary people, folks that are going to work in coal mines and, and various other industries, so many people came to know Jesus and of course, many of you will know this is John Wesley, and the movement that he founded was the Methodist movement. This idea of taking the gospel outside of the church building, which seemed so foreign to him, sparked a movement. Some of you will know we're part of a vineyard church, which is part of the vineyard movement in the United States. Uh, some of you will know that the, the vineyard movement was founded by a guy named John Wimber. John Wimber was famous for, basically, he said he bugged people into coming to Jesus. That he said the reason he was so successful in seeing so many people come to know Jesus was because in the marketplace, every time he would see them, he would bug them. Those are his words, not mine. But he saw thousands of people come to know Jesus, and in fact, when the Holy Spirit began to fall on what be, became now the vineyard movement, it was evangelistically focused. The reason the vineyard became a movement was because people learned how to pray for the sick and to prophesy and to share words of knowledge and said, well, why not get this out of the building? What if we took this out to the streets and did this out there? You think it would work out there? And former drug addicts were going to lead their, their drug addict friends to Jesus. And I think the, the, the one estimate is they said there were in a six-month period that they baptized 1,700 people. All because they took the message outside of the church. They took the spirit outside of the church. And so as we think about 2020, I'm just going to like lay all my cards on the table. Here's what we're after this year. We're going to go get all the people, all the people, not just these people, all the people, that this year is about all the people. 
That's, that, uh, that's all I'm going to say for the next 20 minutes. But this is about all the people. When God called Jerry and I to this place, it wasn't because we thought, you know what would be really cool? Is if we just had like, you know, a church where they, they had like a band. Because that would be revolutionary because there's no other church like that. And if you've been to another church, you know that everybody does this. This thing that we do here, everybody does this. We didn't think, you know what would be really cool is we should, like, we would, we would rent an auditorium. That'd be cool. And, and like, being an old school, that, that's what we're after. The propulsion for us to move here to plant this church really was because we wanted people to know Jesus. The story of Carl is like the story that God invited me into. It's the story God invited Jerry into. It's the story by your participation here that you have been invited into. And get this, it's not just Vineyard Altoona's story. This is what God has been doing since the beginning. I think sometimes we think, well, what's the mission of the church? Like, and this past fall, we talked about that, right? We talked about, well, what's our mission statement? Equipping people for kingdom release. And it sounds great, right? But here's the thing. It's not so much that the church has a mission, but God has a church for his mission. It's not about our mission. It's not about what we think we're supposed to do. We exist to partner with God in his mission. And what's his mission? It's the restoration and reclamation of all things. That's all things outside this auditorium, inside as well. And so as we talk about what we're doing in 2020, the year after 2019, or the year before 2021, I want to call your attention to this, is that the church exists to cooperate with God's mission in the world. And God is in pursuit of all the people. All the people. Not just the people that we like, not just the people who are easy, not just the people who don't smell bad. All the people. This is God's pursuit. I want to look at, at a, actually, before I do that, one of the things that has become evident to me as I've studied disciple-making movements and really looked into that is there's a tendency in every church to, to become inward-focused. Like, that, that, that we, we move from this idea that we're sharing the gospel and we're, and we're making disciples, and that's what we're doing, to... to to moving to like caring for each other, and there's nothing wrong with that. But this ever-present threat to the church that we would become people who are no longer sharing the gospel and reaching people who are far from Jesus. It's a threat in every church. Every church you've ever been in, it's a threat to the existence of the church. And I don't think it's like a bad thing. I don't think it's like people are like, we're going to stop evangelizing. We're going we're to stop telling people about Jesus. I think what happens is like we create programs that are really, really good. And we're like, hey, we want everybody to do this thing because for your discipleship, it would be really good. And we're going to create this event that'll be really good for you to grow as a disciple too. And, and we all only have the same 168 hours every week, right? And so we go, well, we really don't have time to go out and, and share the gospel because we've got these classes that we're running now and we only have a finite amount of energy. And so just for a season, we're going to like stop doing this event and we're going to focus on discipleship. And over a period of time, what we find is that the churches turn inward. 
And there's a world around us that is literally dying to hear the gospel. And so I want to look today, I want you to turn your Bible to, to 1 Corinthians 9. And as you're doing that, I think one of the things that I want to say is that it requires some, somebody to, to continually call us back to this idea that God is on a mission to restore all people. That God is after all the people. It, 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 my mentor back in Columbus, our senior pastor, Rich Nathan, used to say that the senior pastor should always look a little out of balance. Everybody should be like, man, you, are, you don't shut up about evangelism. You just, every time, you just look really out of balance. Pastor, you should get more in balance. You should, you know, don't you know? But what he said is that if nobody's out of balance for discipleship or for evangelism, then everybody just sort of acclimates to we're doing discipleship and nobody's trying to lean towards this is something else that we should do. So as we read this, I just sort of want you to think about that. Like, I'm going to continue to be out of balance, I hope. I hope I'm really out. I mean, I am out of balance front to back, but some of you got that, some of you didn't. 1 Corinthians 9, this is Paul. He says, though I am free I'm sorry, verse 19 is where we're beginning, 19 to 23. It says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law so as to win those not having the law. To, become the, uh, to the weak I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. In the section just before this passage, Paul is talking about how, hey, I'm an apostle, and that gives me certain rights. It gives me the right to, to share the gospel, to do ministry, and get paid to do it. I have a right to that. But he says, I didn't take up my right. I have a right to get paid to do this, but I didn't want anything to get in the way of people coming to know Jesus. And so he outlines sort of his rights, and he tells the, the, the Corinthians that he refused his rights. And then we get to our passage of Scripture, and Paul takes it a step further. It says, not only am I free and I have rights, I'm laying down my rights. I'm laying down my freedom for the sake of people coming to know Jesus. I'm laying down my freedom. He's laid down his freedoms in every way to see as many as possible come to know Jesus. Literally, Paul says he has enslaved himself to every person. That's what it says literally. That Paul has enslaved himself to everyone so that all would come to know Jesus. You may read this passage, and, and a number of folks have done this. You read this passage and you say, well, this is a little bit weird. It seems like Paul has just become a chameleon and that everything is okay. Like, it, you know, I'm just conforming to the culture. And we take this like, well, we just have to sort of give away all of our distinctives and anything that might make us offensive to the culture. We just sort of give that away because after all, Paul became all things to all people. But we miss something if that's what we believe. It's not at all what's happening. Paul says that he's laying down 
He's not saying that he's laying down his conscience or his convictions. He's laying down his rights. In fact, he even says in this passage that he's not free of God's law, but he's under Christ's law. He's not laying down his convictions. He's not saying, well, let's just forget every, everything that God has said. And, you know, we just don't want to be offensive. And we certainly don't want to, like, honk anybody off, right? Like, we've got to, like, you know, play nice with everybody. But this is always a temptation, isn't it? Don't we see this in many churches? Like, this is a temptation in every church, and many churches fall prey to it. That we see the cultural climate, and we decide... If we sort of compromise in this one area, if we just decide that we don't have to like, you know, this is something that the Bible says, but it's sort of annoying to people or it's offensive to people. So let's just pretend like that's not there for now, for now, so that we can get a hearing and then we'll, you know, we'll share the gospel and we'll bring it back in someday. And we see this over and over and over. You know, we, we see all over the place where, where we decide like maybe 50 years ago, the church goes, well, you know, divorce is not all that bad. It's not all that bad. Let's just, let's not like put that out there because we might make people mad and then we wouldn't get a hearing for the gospel. So let's just sort of like forget that one. It's not all that bad. And so we'll just sort of like turn a blind eye to it or, or we decide we're not going to stand up for the lives of those who are most vulnerable. You know, it's not all that bad. Like we don't have to we don't have to care about the people who are most vulnerable in the world. We can sort of like, you know, people don't like it when you talk about abortion, right? Like nobody likes that. It's political. It's like, let's just not talk about that. Let's sort of compromise there and just say, well, we'll give away that one for now so that we can get a hearing. Or, or who really, I mean, God doesn't really care all that much about sexuality and, and the way he designed sexuality to fit within the context of biblical marriage. He, he doesn't care that much. Let's just sort of like, let's put that one out here. Just for now, just for now. And then we'll come back to it, right? Like people will get it. We'll come back to it. We'll bring it back on the table later on. And what people don't realize is that when you do this, you give away the gospel. When you decide that part of what God has said is not important, is not real, is not like, yeah, culture, you know, we just don't want to be offensive. You give away the gospel. You no longer have the, the authority to stand on the gospel and say, this is what it is, and I'm living into this. Paul doesn't surrender his beliefs to the people in these groups that he talks about. What Paul is saying is he has laid down his rights and humbled himself to serve them, that he serves all of these people in hopes that he would get a hearing to share the gospel. He serves people. And because he doesn't compromise who he is, when the opportunity presents itself to share the gospel, he's ready to tell people about a different way to live life. He's prepared. He hasn't given anything away. Can you imagine what would happen in our city? Can you imagine if all the churches decided to lay down our rights? Yeah, we can tell people what they're doing wrong. Sure, if you want to do that, you can do that. But we're going to lay down the right to do that. And instead, we served those who were furthest from Jesus. And we didn't compromise ourselves, but we, we served people. The Bible calls that loving people. 
Can you imagine what would happen in this city? Can you imagine what would happen? It might just spark a revival. If we were people who said, I'm going to serve and love those who are furthest from Jesus, and I'm not going to compromise on what I believe and what God has spoken, I'm not going to compromise on that, but I'm going to love and serve. I'm going to become all things to all people. I think we might see people come to know Jesus. Don't you think? And what I really want you to get here is the heart of Paul. Every last one of us is someplace on a discipleship journey, right? Every last one of us, you, you maybe are before, you've, you, you haven't said anything about Jesus. You, you're like, I don't really know what to think about Jesus. Maybe you surrendered your life to Jesus, but you're like, I don't know what this whole thing of like doing all these things that he says. Maybe some of you are leaders. Everybody's on a discipleship journey, and we're all at different stages in growing in Christ-likeness and obedience to Jesus. But as Paul is working out his theology and his own discipleship over and over and over, what is integral, what is non-negotiable, is that he would bring along as many as possible. I think a lot of times we think about like this idea of sharing our faith as sort of this optional staple on. You know, we just, we can add this on if we want to. And really it's only for the crazy ones, right? It's only for the crazy Christians who are like, you really believe this stuff, right? I think we'd like to think that. But the follow-up question, or the question I would like to, to, to ask you if you're a follower of Jesus, is it on the grid for you in your own discipleship? Like, is sharing your faith part of what it is to be, what it is essential to being a disciple? Or is it the staple on? It's worth considering. How far would you go to see as many as possible experience the goodness of God? How far would you go? And maybe the follow-up question that's worth seriously considering is, what stands in the way? What stands in the way of you sharing Jesus with people who are far from him? It's maybe a serious question. I'd like to know those things. Like, if it's stuff that we have not taught, we should teach how to do that. But what stands in the way? It's something I would encourage you to hold before God. What stands in the way of me doing what you're doing? It's what happens in small group, right? Like, I say something that makes everybody uncomfortable, and they all look away from me. It's just, it just happened. I said, what stands in the way? And everybody's like, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Right? We all get a little bit uncomfortable, don't we? My experience is that we, in the American church, think of this as an optional add-on. This is like bonus points. If, you know, if you're behind at the end of the semester, you need some bonus points, you go share your faith. <laughs> and maybe you can raise your grade from a D to a C, and you'll be okay. Right? That's how I think we think about this. But it's not the discipleship model from Scripture. It's not the discipleship model in everywhere that the gospel is spreading quickly in the world. People surrender their lives to Jesus, and you know what the first lesson is? Here's how you share your faith. It's the first step. Before how to read the Bible, before, you know, how to exegete Scripture, and like before how to pray for people, 
the first lesson is, now that you've said yes to Jesus, here's how you share this with other people. The first lesson. In fact, in Romans 15, Paul tells the Romans that there's no place left for him in the, in the regions to share the gospel. Did Paul like evangelize everybody in all those places on his missionary journey? No. Do you know why he could say that? Because where there were churches in the region, the assumption is that the Christians would take care of the task. That those who follow Jesus will share their faith with other people. And that everybody, everybody would be reached that way. So here's, here's where I want to take, make, make a little bit of a turn. If we're making 2020 all about all the people, two questions immediately come up. First of all, what are we going to do with people when we see them come to know Jesus? And with that, you're going to see something, and I meant to create a picture. Uh, you just pretend there are four columns on that screen. You just, just look, and you can pretend, and they're color-coded. Tyler made them color-coded. Um, but one of the things that we realized was that the way we do discipleship in this church is fairly kind of like haphazard. It's sort of like, yeah, go to this group and be a part of this Bible study and maybe study it like we do. Those of you, how many of you did Passport? Remember Passport? Yeah, so there's, that's not near as many as I thought it was. That breaks my heart. But like do Passport and then be in a group and come to a couple classes and this will... This will sort of be the thing. And we, one of the things that we realized last fall was our, we don't really have a, a method or a track for people to run on to say, how do I become what God has created me to become? And so one of the things that we've been working on as a staff weekly is this discipleship track. It's going to have, it'll have basically four columns, connect, grow, serve, lead. And our intent is after you get to the lead spot, you kind of like, you just move right on out and we'll send you someplace and you go reproduce this elsewhere. But we have certain things that we want you to get. Like we want you to have a relationship with Jesus. We want you to be a generous person. We want, like Evan's talking about with financial peace, we want you to be the kind of person who has the kingdom resources available to be generous in the world. We want you to be the kind of people who can hear God's voice and obey what he says. We want you to be the kind of people who, who know how to disciple other people. And so we've been working on this, this as a track, and you're going to see some things in the coming uh, weeks and months that we're going to offer really to help you grow as a disciple, number one. But number two is as we see people come to know Jesus, we want to have a place for them, <laughs> a place for them to walk. Instead of, well, we hope you find your way. Which I feel like, if I'm honest, I feel like that maybe some of you feel that way. Like that's been our discipleship track. Well, we hope you find your way. Right? So that's the first thing. The second thing is, how are we going to go about engaging our networks to reach all the people? And that's another piece of this. Listen, what we're trying to do this year is we're trying to intentionally just think outside. I, we had a conversation yesterday morning. We had our uh, worship team retreat. And, and one of the conversations is if we're, all, if we're about reaching all the people, what does that mean for how we do worship? 
What does that mean for how we think about how we talk? Like some of the things that we do, like we, we do communion every week. What does it mean for how we do communion every week if we expect to have people here who don't know Jesus? And so some of the things that we're going to create is there's going to be spaces for those who want to begin relationship with Jesus. We're going to have, we're going to make this corner nice and inviting. But every week is going to be available. If you need to begin a relationship with Jesus, your first step is here. We're going to try to create enough steps, uh, enough first steps for you to connect those people. But the question I would have for you, and I wasn't going to do this, but I think I'm going to. What stands in the way of us reaching all the people? Like, what stands in the way? Like, you can throw it out, like, seriously. Fear? Busyness? Okay, anxiety about talking to people? Ill-equipped for whatever happens? Ego? All right. What's that? Interest? Like, not interested in doing that. Okay. Fear of rejection. A lot of things require leaving the house, but yeah, saving the world requires leaving the house. That, that would be true. And you, I mean... If you feel like, I, I do really want to know. Like, I really want you to. Because one of the things that I've realized is that we sort of have some responsibility to equip people to do what we've asked and what God has asked us to do, right? And so if there are ways where you feel like, hey, we could do a better job of this, here's some things that you, we would like to see. I, I want you to tell me. Because I think this is what God is calling us to. In fact, I know this is what God is calling us to. I was going to, like, I, I'm looking through this whole past couple weeks. I've been like, what is, like, if we think about, like, what is the mission of the church? What is God's mission? And, and the thing that I've realized is that even though we take seasons of, like, hey, we're going to be sort of inwardly focused and outwardly focused inwardly, and, you know, we sort of, like, ride this wave, God's pursuit is always for those who are furthest from him. And so I want us to be a church that's cognizant of that, that's aware of that, that's focused on that. So here's what I want to do as we wrap this up. And before I, before I sort of move into praying for folks, one of the things that, that we've created, and you'll notice this, is this series coming up This begins next week, God, I have a question. If you've seen it on Facebook, we have six questions this, time, this go around. The first question is next week, which is, why is religion full of hypocrisy? Some of you know people. We're try, we're, all I'm trying to do is make this as easy as you can, right? Hey, I know people who have said this to me when I talk about my faith. We want to try to answer those questions. So we're creating this series intentionally to lean into trying to make, trying to make this easy, Right? Um, but you can keep track of this, but this is one of the things that we're doing to see, really be able to engage those who are furthest from